The kingdom is not eat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy. Why does the Lord discipline you? So you'll be full of joy. This is a good word. I need this myself. Thank you, Lord. Am I speaking to myself? Maybe because my staff corrected me today. I'm like, oh, this is so painful. I need read, read this over me. This might be a private moment that you just got to watch. <laughs> I just had that thought. just came to me. Verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I love you. Greater love has no one than this that he lay down his, come on, for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. This is what, these are the verses I wanted to talk about tonight. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for a slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things. Everybody say all things. I have heard from my Father. I've made known to you. Now this is really awesome. Listen to this. You are my friends if you do what I command you to do. No longer do I call you slaves, but I call you friends. For all things I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. Listen, this is what I wanted to talk to you about tonight. I believe that we're moving from, from slavery into friendship. And I think that people all over the world are trying to figure out how to get revelation. Like they come to places like this, they come to places like our house, they come to different places, and they're like, man, where do you guys get that revelation? And they think that they get it from laborious study. Like, and they, they get more commentaries. And, but I want to propose to you that revelation comes from a relationship change with God. That he says, I no longer call you slaves because a slave does not know. A slave doesn't know what his master is doing. In other words, slavery, slavery the, the nature of slavery is that you don't know what the father's doing. But the nature of friendship is that all things that I've heard from the Father are made known to you. So revelation is the fruit of friendship. In other words, there's a lot of people that are trying to get revelation through studying more. And I'm listening. I'm all good with studying. I, I want you to understand that, that I'm not anti-study. I study. I, I pray over the Word. I read it every day. I've read my Bible every day for 31 years. Maybe 20 or 30 times I've missed in 31 years. I, I can tell you, Kathy can tell you, I have a little light on my bed that if I forget, I wake up in the middle of the night, I forgot, oh, I didn't read today. I turn a little light on and I read at least one chapter because I made a commitment and I do my best to... To, and I receive grace when I forget, and it happens once in a while, but it's very seldom. So I believe in studying, but, but revelation doesn't come from studying your Bible. It comes from being a friend to God. When you're a friend with God, God gives you insights that you didn't have. And let me tell you something, you can't become what you haven't seen or heard. So revelation inspires transformation. Because once you see it, you can become it. Remember, 1 John says, when we see Him, we'll be like Him. When we see Him, we'll be like Him, for we'll see Him just as He is. You've got to get this. When we see Him, we'll be like Him, because we'll see Him just as He is. Why will we be like Him? Remember it says that we look in the, in, into, the, I, the, into the face of God, and we look at into the Word as if it's a mirror. We're looking at the Word as if it's a mirror and we're being changed from glory to glory. Why is that? Because we were made in His image and in His likeness. Why do we need to be transformed? Romans 12 says we need to be transformed. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. Why do we need to be transformed? Because we were born deformed. 
Why were we born deformed? We were born deformed because when we came into this world, I'm talking about in the kingdom, when we came into this born-again kingdom, we were taught things that weren't true. What forms us? The Word of God forms us. When we're taught things that aren't true, we become deformed. And we have to be transformed. And how do we do that? By renewing our minds. What do we renew our minds with? The truth. The truth. Are you with me at all? Jesus said, the sower went out and sowed seed. And the seed was called the word of God. The word seed, the sower went out and sowed seed. The word seed there is the word sperma. We get our word sperm from it. Paul said this, he said, I've been, he said, I'm laboring till Christ is formed in you. How did Paul labor? He preached. And as he preached, he released the sperm of God into, into us. And so we became impregnated with, with Christ until Christ actually forms us. In other words, Christ is being, if, if you will, Christ is putting on flesh. The word became flesh. I propose to you that the word is still becoming flesh and it's dwelling among us, in us. In other words, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When, I, when the Lord speaks to me and I allow His words to abide in me, I allowed His words to abide in me. You understand what, I, what we're talking about? We're not just talking about memorizing the Bible. When the Lord speaks to me and I allow His words to discipline me, form me, transform me, what happens is, is that those become seeds. I become impregnated. Christ puts on flesh and it's me. Christ in you, the hope of Glory. We're being transformed from glory to glory. <laughs> so he says this. He says, I no longer call you slaves. In other words, the connotation is, I used to. I used to call you slaves, but now I call you friends. But he begins with this. If you do what I command you to do, then you're my friends. So everyone starts out as a slave. We were slaves to sin. Now we become slaves to Righteousness. So when you come to Christ, you come as a bond slave. You come as a slave out of love. But the goal isn't to stay in slavery. The goal is to move from slavery to friendship to matrimony. Are are you following me? The goal is to move out of slavery into friendship. Now, let me tell you. How how do you move out of slavery into friendship? Well... You become a good slave. What's that mean? You learn how to obey. I call you friends if you do what I command you to do. Some people remain slaves their whole life. They never get revelation. They can read, they can study their Bible, they can memorize every chapter of the Bible, and they still have no revelation. Because God says, I tell people all things when they're my friend. But if you are a slave, you can read the whole book, and you still don't know what the Father's doing. In other words, the Father is intentionally withholding information from you because you haven't learned to do what you're told. In order to become a friend, you have to learn to do what you're told. Because your friend happens to be not just your Savior, but your Lord. In other words, your best friend happens to also be in charge. Uh. You know, we have this dynamic in in church, and I'm sure that you, you have it in different areas of your life. Like, like, we hire our family. You know, my wife works for us. My son works for us. Bill's two sons work for us. Oh, the list goes on and on. You get the idea. Um, so we have, we have our family working for us. We have our, uh, we, we have our friends working for us. 
If they weren't our friends when they came to work for us, most likely they become our friends. And most of the team I work with are my, actually my very best friends, I work with them all. And so there's this part, there's this deal that, that's, that's, we have this multidimensional relationship, don't we? They're, we're friends. On the other hand, on the other hand, um, for everyone besides Bill, I'm their boss. That's a, that's an odd dynamic that that you have to embrace all dimensions of relationship simultaneously. So I am your friend. I I, I said I said to one, one of my staff this not not too long ago. He's just a really awesome person. And we're we're having this conversation, and I, I I said, you know, I'm your friend, but I'm also your boss. And when you step over that line, it doesn't feel very good. I am not your equal. Don't treat me like I am. Now, that's a hard word, but that's what it means to be disciplined. And, 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 Bill, and, and I have to realize, like, Bill, Bill's my close friend. We've lived together. With, our families have lived together. Our kids all grew up together. We're, our kids all dated each other. <laughs> it's true. For 31 years, we've been together. We've made a covenant to spend our whole life together. Bill is my close friend. I love him. I would give my life for him. But he's also my leader. He's also my leader. He is the senior leader of our team. And so when, when, when we're interacting and he moves into, pulls executive authority on me, I have to realize, like, that, okay, he's my friend, but what he just did is out of relation. It's not, it's not just friendship he just he just pulled rank on me you know i'm trying to be you know say it in a way that's easy to understand he just pulled rank on me and it's my it's my position to yield it's my position to yield he just he's not talking to me as a friend right now he's talking to me as my leader and he just said we will do this you know we have these conversations all the time like he's like you know what? Sometimes he's like, most of the time he's like, what do you think we should do about this? And um, we like this. And he's, he'll be like, okay, whatever. Once in a while he says, hey, we're going to do this. The other day he said, we're going to do this. And I said, I don't think that's a good idea. He said, well, we're, we're going to do this. I have to realize, like, okay, he said, I, listen, right here I'm not asking for your opinion. <laughs> I'm sorry, you mistook, you mistook this for a consulting conversation i'm telling you what we're doing and i'm asking you how to get it done you think i'm asking you if we should do it i'm asking you how we should do it I'm like okay well he has the right to do that because he is the leader god's made him a leader even though he's my friend i don't know if i'm making sense god 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 is my best friend but i can't get i, I can't Ignore the fact that my best friend happens to be God. <laughs> I can tell you there's a lot of people that can't work that double dynamic out. And they treat God like he's their equal. Like, well, I just tell God what to do. He said, whatever you wish. Hey, no, he said, if you do what I tell you to do, then you can ask whatever you wish. Not when you, do, when you tell me whatever you want. He said, listen, God's saying this. If you listen to me, I'll listen to you. But if you won't listen to me, I won't listen to you. You're not going to tell me what to do in prayer if you won't do what I tell you to do first. So God's my friend. Everybody's like, oh, God's my friend. Yeah, God, is he though? Is he your friend? 
Is that the kind of relationship you have? You can tell because all things I've heard from the Father are made known to you. People that have friendship with God have revelation. People that don't have a friendship with God, they spend their whole life just doing what they're told. And the highest level of life becomes being led by the Spirit. Oh, here we go. Listen, if you're not led by the Spirit, you're not a son of God. Am I boring you? Listen, if you're not, if you're not led by the Spirit, you can't be a child of God. Are you with me? Okay, so in other words, being led by the Spirit means the Holy Spirit tells you what to do. With me? Okay, but 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says you also have the mind of Christ. When do you get to think for yourself? After you learn to obey the Spirit. So once you learn how to obey the Spirit, then the highest level of life is not being led by the Spirit. The highest level of life is having the mind of Christ and being able to think like God. So you're not doing what God told you to do. You're doing more than He told you to do. You know, if I tell my son, cut the lawn, take out the garbage. And he cuts his lawn and takes out the garbage. He's obedient. He's an obedient son. And plus, he's, if he's a teenager, just created a miracle. But think about this. Think about if I come home one day and I haven't told him anything, he cuts the lawn, takes out the garbage, and washes the car. I don't go, listen, boy, you didn't do what I told you to do. I didn't tell you to do Listen, you don't move unless I tell you what to do. You got that? What happened? He, cop- he captured my heart. And when you capture somebody's heart, you can be trusted with the fact that you, I, don't, I don't... Now, I no longer... It's not like I don't lead the Spirit, so, boy... We, we can exaggerate this and not make it real, because not make it true. I don't think we ever lose being led by the Spirit. So, but if, if I could just exaggerate it just to make a point for a minute, you realize I don't think like this, and I, this isn't true exactly. But we, we're, it's, when, we, when, we, when we learn to be led by the Spirit, then we're trusted to think. Because when we have the heart of God then we're doing not just what the Spirit told us we had to do, but we become, and Jesus had to do that, because he said he learned obedience through the things he suffered. But how many of you know that Jesus went beyond obedience? There's a level of on, beyond obedience, and that is friendship. And with friends, your friends don't tell you what to do. You do, you do stuff for your friends because you love them. Are you following me? I hired a, a, a new personal assistant, her name is Beth. She's an amazing gal about two or three months ago. Today she emailed me a bunch of stuff. You know, I've said, okay, you know, get this done, get this done, get this done. So she got all that done. And then she said, hey, I, um, I also was thinking about this and this and this that's coming up. And so I got all that done. I hope that's okay. <laughs> there was nobody in the car. When I was driving in the car and I, I, I just was reading this text message. And I'm like, okay okay, I've been looking for someone who could think. (laughs) This is amazing. You did what I didn't ask you to do. What happens with people like that? They get promoted. Pretty soon you're like, what can I do for you? And so I, I think that we, I think God wants us to move from slavery into friendship and the goal is that we would know all things, all things that, that the, something he said here is so good, we should read it instead of just try to quote it. Because 
He said, all things I've heard from the Father have made known to you. That's what I was going to say to myself. That's it right there. You did not choose me. I chose you. I appointed you that you'd go bear fruit, that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he would give you. Isn't that awesome? Whatever you ask. And then, you know what Jesus says? He goes, ask of me the nations, and I will give them as your inheritance. I'm not like, you know what? When you start to really dream, like, you, it's beyond like asking for a new car. Pretty soon you're like, I asked for a new car, I got that. You know, I asked for the castle, I got that. I got the damsel in distress, I got all that. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm getting pretty good at this asking stuff. Hey, I'll take my city. You said whatever I wish. I wish to have a city. You said I'll give you the nations. I'll start with the city. The city looks like I would take this for my inheritance. I guess you're not dreaming that big yet, but... Okay. Hosea says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. All things I've heard from the Father made known to you. Now, here's really interesting. Here, here we go. This, are you guys sitting too long? Are you doing okay? Genesis chapter 41. You, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to tell you the story for the sake of time. Pharaoh has a dream. Remember this Pharaoh, Joseph. Pharaoh has a dream. And in the dream, he sees seven fat calves and he sees seven skinny calves, and he sees the fat calves eat the skinny calves. You remember this? And then he sees seven sheaves of corn, and then he sees seven uh, sparse, whatever. Anyway, and, the, and so he has this dream, and, he's, and no one can interpret it. He, he brings all the magicians in, that nobody can interpret the dream. And the, and the cupbearer goes, oh, hey, hey, in, when I was in prison, there was this kid, he could interpret dreams. And the king says, well, go get him, you know. And so he tells Joseph the dream. And Joseph, you know the story. He, Joseph said, listen, the dreams, the two dreams are the same. That the seven fat calves are seven good years. And the seven skinny calves are seven years of famine. And he said, the fat calves ate the skinny calves because everything is going to be taken away. It, 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 the years of abundance are, are, are going to be taken away with years of famine. And he says, and Joseph says to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, Joseph says, Pharaoh ought to find someone really wise who can run his country after he interprets the dream. And Pharaoh goes, well, you seem pretty wise. Why don't you run the country? And Joseph says, okay, here's what we should do. We should take one-fifth, 20%, 20% of all of the produce in the seven good years and Pharaoh should put it away in silos so that he will have it to sell in the years of famine. And therefore, the, the, the land, the people will not perish. Now, I've always celebrated Joseph. I think he's amazing. But in the 47th, let's see if I can get this right. In the 47th chapter, and I want to just read you a piece of this. In the 47th chapter of Genesis... Like, what does this have to do with John 15? I'll tell you in a minute. In the 47th chapter of Genesis, verse 20, it says, So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. For every Egyptian sold his field because the famine was severe upon them. Thus the land became Pharaoh's, 
As for the people, he removed them to cities from one end of Egypt's borders to the other. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had an allotment from Pharaoh, and they lived off the allotment which Pharaoh gave them. Therefore they did not sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, Behold, I have today brought, bought you and your land for Pharaoh. Now, there, now here is seed for you, and, and that you may sow it in the land. At the harvest you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four-fifths shall be for your own seed of your field, and for food, and for those of your household, and in food for your little ones. So they said, You have saved our lives. Let, um, let us find favor in your sight, in the sight of the Lord, in the sight of, your, of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's slaves. So Joseph made a statue concerning Egypt to this day, that Pharaoh should have one-fifth of the food. And he goes on like that. And... and um, and what happened? Joseph enslaved all the Egyptians. How did Joseph enslave the Egyptians? See, do you realize that Egypt went from a first world country to a third world country in one generation? Actually, it went from a first world country to a third world country in 14 years. You know why? Because Joseph, get this, remember I no longer call you slaves because a slave does not know what his master is doing, but all things I've heard from the Father have made known for, to you. What does slavery means? You don't know. Friendship means you know all things. What did Joseph do? He told Pharaoh. He told Pharaoh about the famine, and he told Pharaoh to exact a 20% tax on all the people. 20% of all the grain. But what, he, what didn't he do? He did not tell the people a famine was coming. He only told Pharaoh. And what happened? All of Egypt, all of the Egyptians became slaves. So he created a two-class system. One rich person and everyone else was poor. You know why? Because slaves don't know. He withheld revelation and he enslaved the nation. I want you to think about this because this isn't about you. We're supposed to be discipling nations and we're in a recession. <laughs> What's the difference between a first world country and a third world country? I think I know. First world country has revelation. We're in the information age. My people perish for lack of knowledge. They had to sell everything to Pharaoh. In fact, I think it's in the 46th chapter. I should have probably got it's a better verse. They come to Joseph and they said, we've sold everything. We, we have sold you our land. We've sold you our houses. We've sold you our cattle. We have nothing else to sell. And Pharaoh says, and Joseph says, fine, sell yourselves to me. If, listen, you're going, well, what could they have done? Listen, all Joseph had to do, instead of just telling Pharaoh, if he would have said, listen, tell all the people there's going to be seven years of plenty and there's going to be seven years of famine. Tell all the people that they must store 20% of their food. You know what would happen? You know what would happen? They would have went from a third world country, I'm sorry, they would have went from a first world country with a, with a, you know, a high class, a middle class, and a low class to a, to a, did I say third world again? They would have went from a first world country with three social classes to a first world country where everybody in the nation would have been extremely rich. You know why? Because the famine wasn't just on Egypt. It was on all the world. That's why the Israelites came in to buy food. And think about it. 
All the Egyptians would have been rich because they would have been the only ones in the world with food. And he would have enriched all the Egyptians, but instead he enriched one person, only Pharaoh. How did he do it again? He withheld information. And what did he do? He enslaved people. I no longer call you slaves because a slave does not know what master is doing. Guess what Joseph did? He took what used to be friends and he created slavery. And, all, and the way he did it was he withheld information. My people perish for lack of knowledge. The knowledge of the glory. Listen to this. I love this. I just found this tonight. It was lost. <laughs> Habakkuk, listen to this verse. Are you guys bored? Are you all right? Okay. I'll just realize that I didn't know where Habakkuk was. Okay, here it is. Chapter 2. Listen to this. Verse 14. Verse 13 says... Um, chapter 2. Okay, verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Oh, there's a verse before that that I wanted to read, though. Oh, okay. Oh, it's Daniel chapter 12. Listen to this. That's good, though, isn't it? It's a different verse. I'm sorry, but it's still good. For the earth will be filled with the what? Yeah, it doesn't say the glory of the Lord. It says the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. How does the waters cover the sea? It's broad and deep. God is going to give us more information, but He's going to give us deep information. Listen to this. Daniel 12. I love this verse. This is the verse I just found. The other one I lied about. I repent. Sorry. Daniel 12, verse, what is that? Verse uh, 2. Many of those who sleep in dust in the dust of the ground will awaken, these to everlasting life, but those who disgrace to everlasting contempt. Those who have insight, those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of the heavens, and those who lead, and, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But as for you, Daniel, um, let's see, conceal these words and seal it in a book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. Listen to this. Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanses of the heaven. And those, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And in the last days, knowledge will increase. Is that awesome? Um, it's interesting because Joseph withholds information and he creates a two-class system and he enslaves all the Egyptians. And what happens in Exodus chapter 1, the next chapter after Genesis. Remember, Joseph lived all the way to the 50th chapter of Genesis. And that's the last chapter of Genesis. In, in, in Exodus chapter 1, it says, There arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. And what did he do? He enslaved the Israelites. The Israelites, Joseph was an Israelite. He enslaved the Egyptians. What happened in the next generation? 
the, the Egyptians enslaved the Israelites. You know what? When you don't have a long-term vision, you create symptomatic cures that become, today's cures become tomorrow's problems. And I think that, you know, in the, you, you know, like, before the 1500s, the, the military ruled the world. In other words, you have Alexander the Great, you had Napoleon, you have all these guys, they're ruling the world. How are they doing it? The military mountain, if you will, is ruling the world. They're doing it through the strength of their military, right? But what happens around the 1500s, 14, the, the, the late 1400s and 1500s? What happens? We have the Renaissance. And who's ruling the world in the Renaissance? The religious mountain, right? The religious mountain is ruling the world in the Renaissance, in other words, the religion has taken over the mountain, is ruling the military. In other words, religion is ruling the world. Are you with me? What happens in the industrial age? In the industrial age, we go from the religious culture ruling the world to the, the business culture. In other words, we have the golden rule in the industrial age. He who has the gold rules. And it's no, longer, it's no longer the military that's ruling the world. It's no longer the religious mountain ruling the world. It's corporations. Huge corporations. It's where we begin the globalization. And it no, longer is it, no longer is it people who, who can destroy one another. You know, if I can beat you up, I can rule you. No longer is it the person who has the most military might that's ruling the world. It's the person who has the most money. And whole countries are being purchased with the finances of industry. And, and, and listen, do you, you understand that sanctions mean withholding money? I don't know if you're getting that. Do you, do you realize that, we, that we're, we're, coming, we're coming out of the industrial age into the information age? And how are we trying, like, how are we trying to control Korea, North Korea? Are we, trying to, are, we, are we threatening to bomb them? No, we're threatening sanctions. What sanctions mean? We're withholding money. We'll control you through withholding money. You'll do, in other words, he that has the gold rules. If you don't have money, then you need it to feed your people. So who's ruling who? People that have money. The first world countries are ruling the third world countries, not through the military might, but through money. But I want to propose to you that we've just come into the information age. And it's no longer who has money that's ruling the world. Because we're in the information age, it's he who controls the media gate. He who controls knowledge rules the world. You're going to have to get this. I propose to you that we've been, we've, been, we've been emphasizing, you know, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and we've been saying this is the apostolic age and apostles are, are you know, uh, and uh, prophets, the foundation. I'm going to propose to you that it's teachers who are going to begin to rule the world because it's teachers, revelatory teachers, who actually empower people with information. Are you with me? And I think that the next, I believe that we're in a power shift and we're moving from mammon ruling the world to people that control information ruling the world. In other words, who is ruling the world right now? I can tell you, who's ruling um, um, the American world? 
You think it's a democracy, right? You think that, that majorities rule. That's funny because the uh, homosexual uh, population in our country is 3%. But guess, guess who's ruling? Guess what agendas get passed? The homosexual agenda gets passed even though there's only 3% of them. There's only, they're only 3% of the population, but they get their agendas passed. How do they do it? They figured out how to control the information gate. You're not even getting this. Because we're in the information age, he who controls the information gate rules. And I'll tell you something. President Obama figured that out. He won the election for probably lots of reasons. I'm not trying to disrespect him. But he figured it out, and his political campaign was viral. He figured, he's a young guy who figured out the power of the Internet. And he used the Internet to get his message out. And suddenly, what would take millions and millions and millions of dollars, which he had, he got his message out by creating this, by taking the information highways, and he understood how to get his message to people through the information, by using the information structure. And in my opinion, this is my opinion, the McCain campaign did not do that. Not very well. And, and personally, I think it has a lot to do with the generation. I think, I think when you're in a, a young generation, you understand the information age much better than an older person. And I would include myself. I don't understand the information age very well. And I have a whole team of marketing people uh, in, now in, at Bethel. You know, all these guys that are, and gals that have come on our team to do our website stuff, they're all young people. It's not we're trying to hire young people. It's just that young people have raised in the information age. And they understand the information gates. If Joseph could enslave a nation in 14 years by withholding information, what would happen if you can get revelation and release it on people who were once enslaved? I have a feeling that Africa is not a third world country because they lack resources. Because the continent of Africa, as a continent, is the richest continent on the planet with natural resources. But they're the poorest, the poorest as a continent, they're the poorest continent in the world. Isn't it weird that the people that have the most resources are the poorest people? What do they lack? They don't lack. They don't lack what we've been giving them. They don't lack resources. They lack information. And I wonder if Joseph is going to have a dream. I wonder if Nebuchadnezzar is going to have a dream. I wonder if the prophets and the teachers begin to take the forefront in the information age. And what happens when you begin to move from slavery in your own relationship with God to friendship is that you begin to have know all things that the Father knows He gives to you. All things. What would happen if we started thinking bigger? I told my students yesterday, I think it was, we were having some of this conversation. And I said, some of you are living, you know, the, the, it, when, the, when the Israelites were in Egypt, they were slaves. And they lived in the land of not enough. And then they went from slavery into the wilderness. And they lived in the land of just enough. 
And when they moved into the promised land, they lived in the land of more than enough. And I was telling my students, some of you are slaves. You live in the land of not enough. And the truth is, is that people are supporting you. All of your, all of your income is welfare. People, you don't have a job. You're totally a slave. You're in debt to other people. And all of your income is totally dependent on other people taking care of you. You're a slave. And I said, if, you, if that's where you're at, I said, you know, it's, don't feel guilty for it. If that's where God has you. But what happens is, what if you start getting revelation so that you can move from slavery at least into the, into the wilderness? In the wilderness, do you understand that they had manna and the manna was only good for one day? Except for Fridays, right? Think about this. You're in the wilderness and your food, your, 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 your substance is only good for one day. What does it do? It creates short-term thinking. You can't, you can't sell manna. You can't be like, hey, I'll do all the gathering and I'll sell manna. Well, you, can't, you can't do much because the, you, the, your, your substance is only good for one day. The second day it gets worms. It, in other words, what I'm telling you is like the way they make a living creates a mindset. When they come in the promised land, how many of you know that it's no longer about today, it's about a legacy. And, and God gives Abraham this, this dream, and he says, listen, in, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And he says, look at the stars of the sky, look at the sands of the sea. What's God doing? He's teaching Abraham how to have a long-term vision. And Abraham is called what? A friend of God. Friends know all things, and they create legacies instead of bondage. I think that we're supposed to move into discipling nations. But for us to move into discipling nations, we have to move out of slavery in our own relationship with God. Slaves do not rule the world. Slaves do not rule the world. And I think that our relationship with God is costing the nations. I think, that the, I think that the recession is a crisis for, for the world, and it's an opportunity for us. When the world's in crisis, it's our opportunity. It's our time to shine. It's, it's the rise and shine of your light has come for deep darkness will cover the earth. When do we rise and shine? In darkness. What's a recession in one, in one dimension is an opportunity in another. I think it's time to have revelation. I think it's time to move out of slavery. I think it's time to move into friendship. And I have a sense that if we will move into friendship with God, that we can begin to ask God for solutions for our city. If Joseph can solve all of Egypt's problems with one revelation, then what, what, what can happen in our life? What would happen if you started dreaming on, about how to solve the financial crisis in your city. Well, I don't know about that, brother. Well, God does. And all you have to do is ask Him. Well, it isn't that simple. The problems are complex. Oh, yeah, they're beyond God. He wouldn't know what to do about that. (laughs) And so tonight, I want to invite you. Would you stand up, please?
It's funny, I, I just have this picture in my mind right now of the Lord taking those um, leg bracelets, shackles, taking shackles off of people's legs. And taking blinders off of people's eyes. I, I just I feel like something's supposed to happen tonight. Like I don't think it's supposed to be about a message. Well, it's definitely not the best message I've ever preached in my life. But I, I don't think it's supposed to be about a message. I think the Lord is is I think the Lord specifically has certain people here tonight by divine appointment. I really do. I think just the way Joseph ends up in prison, the Pharaoh has a dream. Joseph happened to, you know, just just happened to interpret the dream of the Pharaoh's cupbearer. I, I think that you are here by divine appointment, and I and I have a sense that I mean I mean every single person here. I think I think, you know, you may you may have some of you are like you weren't even going to come and you ended up here. And maybe there's supposed to be other people here. I don't know, but the point is is that you're here tonight to hear this message because I feel like the Lord. Has is 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 saying to each one of you, you've done a good job. You've listened. You've let me discipline you. My words work, worked in you, and I want I want to promote you to friendship. I think that everyone is in here. God's given you an opportunity to move into friendship. And I think what's going to happen is you're going to see things you've never seen before. You're going to hear things you've never heard before. So you can do things you've never done before. I just have this sense right now that the Lord is opening eyes and he's opening ears. And yeah, it is important, the first part of what we shared tonight, it is important that you can receive discipline. That's true. That's, that's all of our life. You know, I actually think you can move from friendship back into slavery. I really do. I, I've actually watched people do it. That you get arrogant and God goes, okay, you know what? Best thing you can do is go back into bondage for a season to see how that works out for you. You got to move back into learning to, you know, just learning to be to, to do what you're told to do. But I think tonight the Lord wants to promote you. I, I just feel like this is a commissioning, a promotion. And I think out of this group, I think if you wrote down the names of these people that are in this room tonight, or these conference people that are in this room tonight, and you went, and you and you and you went back five years from now, just like they. You know, just like they survey people who've won the lottery. If you go, if you took the, the names of the people that are in this group, and five years from now, you visit each one of them, I bet you will find that everyone in here that's received revelation has come into prosperity and creates prosperity around them. So I want you just to pray this prayer right now. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I just covenant with you right now to receive your word, to be able to receive correction with a good attitude, to be able to be directed and, and, and disciplined so that I can come into friendship. Lord, I want, I want to be your friend. I don't want to take advantage of you, but I want to move into a deeper relationship with you. And so right now I receive the invitation 
to step into the friendship circle and begin to receive revelation and begin to move into this place where I have authority to ask whatever I wish and you'll do it for me. Lord, help my heart to not be selfish so that I ask just for myself. Let me be mindful of my city, of the people of need around me. I thank you for this night. I thank you that this changes my relationship with you forever. In Jesus' name. Proverbs says this, if a king, if a king righteously judges the poor, his throne will be established forever. And one of the things I think, if a king remembers the poor, his throne will be established forever. I think that as God promotes us, it's important to remember where we came from. So that we make sure that our prosperity always helps people who haven't yet prospered. And, uh, and I think it's important that we realize that our choices create ecosystems. That either ultimately enslave people or promote people. So as the Lord gives you revelation, you know, Joseph got great revelation. The only problem is he misapplied it and enslaved the nation. So we need, we need God's wisdom to know what to do with what he teaches us. And so, Lord, we just pray for that tonight, too. We just pray for wisdom and insight. You said that, that in the last days, they will have insight and they will shine like the stars of the sky. Lord, we pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen.